This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, what does Minecraft teach us about God? We're asking this question today to James Garth. James is an aeronautical engineer, a fellow of ISCAST, which is an organisation for Christians in science, and the father of Minecrafting Boys. And he joins me now. Please welcome James Garth. Thanks, Rob. Pleasure to be here. Well, James, welcome to Bigger Questions. It's great that you can be here. Now, James, Minecraft is a sandbox video game created and designed by the Swedish game designer Marcus Notch Pearson. And your boys love playing the game? They do, they do. And I must say, my boys, Wesley, Daniel and Evan, they are the pros at the game, okay? I'm not a pro, I'm not a noob, but I'm somewhere in between. But you play the game yourself I as have well. played the game before, not as much as I would have liked. Okay. Uh, although I must say, I see a lot of parallels between the game and the stuff that I do for a job, which is 3D computer-aided design. Okay. So I feel quite at home within the game. Okay, you don't get away with playing Minecraft at work? No, I think it's the <laughs> other way around. I think people are training a young generation in computer-aided design without them knowing it. Okay, right. That's and happening. You've even been along to a Minecraft event yeah. as well. What, so, what happened there? So last year we went to see Dan TDM, who is a, a YouTuber. He's a full-time guy that makes professional YouTube videos, mostly about Minecraft and some other games too. And this was a room full of 5,000 screaming kids and their parents down at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Right, yeah. And, uh, and we actually watched uh, this guy live and it was very entertaining. Yeah. So, yeah. And you had a great it was time. Cool. It was a good time. Well, anyway, well, to kick off bigger questions, we like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. Today, we're talking with James Garth about what the video game Minecraft teaches us about God. So, James, our smaller questions today to you are, how much do you know about Minecraft? Now, do you feel qualified? I'm going to rest on the knowledge that my sons have given to me for this interview. I did talk to them all before I came on the show. Okay. So hopefully some of <laughs> so that's rubbed off. You've prepped up. You've prepped up. Okay, there's two I'll questions. I'll do my best. <laughs> two questions, both multiple choice. Question one. How long did Marcus Notch Pearson take to develop the alpha version of the game? The very first version released on the 17th of May, 2009. Was it A, three hours, one night in a bath? Was it B, six days? Was it C, three months? Or D, two years? How long did he take to develop the alpha version of the game? That's quite important. So this is the early days of Minecraft. I'm not really across it, but I'm going to go somewhere towards the middle. Yeah, that'd be I a think good idea. C probably is, is what I'd kind of go for. Maybe a bit more towards B. B. Yeah, B! That's right. Yes, yeah. B is correct. Yeah, Pearson began work on what is now Minecraft on May the 10th, 2009, uh, amending the product in increments until the May 16. The alpha version of Minecraft made its public debut the next day on the 17th of May. Now, so it's interesting that the genesis of Minecraft was created in just six days. Um, <laughs> And then he, then he rested. Do you, do you think he rested and said it was good? <laughs> I or? think he probably did, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I don't think he did. I think he developed it. Spent the next several years continuing to develop and improve it. Okay. We'll move on. Question two. Minecraft is a phenomenally popular game. As of January 2018, over 144 million copies have been sold across all platforms, making it the second best-selling video game of all time. Which is the only video game to have sold more copies? Was it A... Wii Sports, B, Super Mario Brothers, C, Tetris, 
or D, Microsoft Excel? <laughs> so which is the only video game to have sold more copies? I, I, I did bone up before this, uh, and I know that it's Tetris, C, uh, and probably because every console in the 80s and 90s came with Tetris, that's uh, probably why it's outside Minecraft. It is. For now. Well, for, for now, now. <laughs> yes. Well, Tet although Tetris has been released on practically every gaming device in history, from the Commodore 64 mm. uh, to iOS and Android phones today, it's sold over 495 million copies mm. since its original release in 1994. So, James, our estimation of you has gone up a notch because you <laughs> got two, of our small, two smaller questions <laughs> right. Big round of applause. Now, James, whilst Minecraft hasn't quite sold as many copies as Tetris, it still has sold nearly 150 million copies, making it just about the most popular game ever. Now, it's not the most visually appealing game, so what makes the game so attractive to people? Well, I think a lot of its appeal is that it's very open-ended and places few restrictions on the person playing the game. Yeah. Okay, so basically, you enter into this world, you're kind of dumped there in the middle of a, a landscape, and you've got these one-metre by one-metre blocks to play with. Hence, that's why it's called a sandbox game. Yeah, it's a sandbox game. Right. So, so you can play, you can do a mission of sort, do a quest, uh, but right. that's not the only way you can play the game. You can spend hours in creative mode, building structures, bridges, digging and mining, as the name suggests. So so there's a lot of things you can do in it that are, uh, you know, quite quite free throwing, free form, and I think that's why it's so popular. Mm. So what have you made? Oh goodness! Uh, I mean, I, did you make any aircraft and some drones or something? With, no, no. With with my sons, we made a theme park. So we did all this, uh, all these rides and roller coasters and things like that. Wow. Um, we've made planets, so we've actually built up. You know, different worlds and uh, you know, made like a solar system sort of thing and lots of other stuff, yeah. So, so what do you do in the game? You just kind of build stuff? Uh, well, what you've got to do is, depending on the mode, you're either playing survival mode where you have to craft things from scratch, so dig raw materials from the ground, use what's called a crafting table to build them up into more complex uh, mm -hmm. elements. Uh, and you can you can do that and keep playing that way, or you can go in creative mode, which is a bit of a cheat, and you get everything up front to begin with. <laughs> but that's cool if you want to really make a spectacular structure, and you're not going to have the time to, to build everything right from the, the basic blocks. Right. Okay. Now, as part of the game, you have uh, there's a character that you kind of play. What's his name? I think you're referring to Steve. Right, So okay. Steve's got the classic kind of blue Minecraft look going on there. Yeah. Uh, you can have other skins which you put on. So, so what's, what's if, a skin? A skin is the... A skin is like the way you appear in the game. So okay. the, say Dan TDM, who we talked about before, he might come into the game and he's got his own custom skin and people will look at him and know that that's him going in the game. Right. And you can, you know, customise your own skins and make your own. So it, it's pretty cool. Right, okay. Now, game creator Marcus Notch Pearson once said, Minecraft is to a large degree about having unique experiences that nobody else has had. The levels are randomly generated and you can build anything you want to build yourself. Um, so is part of the appeal of the game that you have the freedom and the power, in some senses, to maybe play God? I, I think so. I think you're... The advantage of the game is there's this nice balance between freedom and also constraints. So you can't just do anything you want. There are certain rules that apply within the game. But within those rules, you've got a lot of wiggle room to do things. Right. And, uh, and like I said, to be free in the way you construct and, and build stuff. Right, okay. So if the character of Minecraft, Steve, mm. um, became self-aware <laughs> and self-conscious... What do you think are some of the big questions of his little electronic existence that he'd start to ask? 
Well, this is quite a good question because Steve is a lot like us in many ways. He's dumped in the middle of a world. He doesn't choose his spawn point. He doesn't choose where he's going to appear. And he's given no instructions. He'd want to know why everything around him uh, looks looks to be well-designed, looks to be uh, well-engineered, to use that term. Um, and I think he would say, you know, is, is the game all there is or is there maybe something outside the game that helps explain its existence? So you, so it's almost like is there sort of a god or something beyond the Minecraft world, do you think? Yeah, or an, an architect of some sort, yeah. Yeah. Well, the game Minecraft does allow a number of parallels to be drawn with the bigger questions concerning god, life and meaning. For example... It seems that the world of Minecraft follows a pattern and an order, as you've alluded to, almost if the world is kind of fine-tuned. So could you have the game without this order? I don't think you could. I think uh, one of the things that I played with early on uh, in my um, high school years was a, a little game I called Code Jenga. You know the game Jenga where yeah, you yeah. Have, the, have this kind of block and you pull bits out? We, we would find a computer game and we'd randomly delete one line of code from the game <laughs> then we'd run it again and see if it, it played. I think <laughs> the game we played was called Alone in the Dark, Gosh. for any of you aficionados out there. Uh, and so we, we went and did this um, Code Jenga and we got through about half a dozen, you know... Um, runs of it and then things started to go awry like right. firstly all the colors disappeared right and then the game flipped and like inverted itself and then it randomly just started jumping to all these scenes in the game and eventually it was unplayable right and that's just only by tweaking a few lines of code so uh, i think that shows that the laws that underwrite the game uh, a lot of thoughts gone into them yeah and you can't just randomly change them and expect everything to hold together you played this with your friends at high school. Yeah, no, it was a pretty yeah. wild bunch. Yeah, yeah, it was a good, <laughs> so, good times. So, yeah, yeah, good so, times. yeah, yeah. Um, so, because you mentioned within Minecraft, you can you can combine some elements together. You can create other more yeah, complex yeah. things so as well. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that has made Minecraft so popular is its crafting. Okay, you start off with a whole bunch of basic elements like dirt, or cobblestone, or iron ore, or whatever. And if you just had those elements, it'd be okay, but the game wouldn't be really interesting. It'd be like our universe if it just had hydrogen, helium, oxygen, and a few things kind of floating around. Like, okay, that's impressive, but you can't really make any anything really well, you wouldn't have information any human rich. life, for example. Well, to give you an example, H2O, right? We all know water is two hydrogens and one oxygen. The only reason that's the case is because when you put these atoms together, the electrons in the outer shell share their shells, they kind of combine and, call, and create what's called a covalent bond. Now, if they just bounced off each other and didn't form that bond, well, we wouldn't have something called H2O and you and I wouldn't exist. Mm. So in Minecraft, the, the analogy is when you put these building blocks together, you can craft them into something more. Right. And that enables you to do really cool stuff in the game and it makes it interesting. But that also reflects a deeper underlying order as well, that the, yeah, game, the game maker has actually built into the game, so to speak. Yeah, the game maker has built, has built some amazing stuff in there and, and that's what makes it fun to play and challenging and it, it gives it its variety and richness. Now, a more controversial connection perhaps would be to suggest that there is order or even fine-tuning in our universe. Mm. Now, interestingly, agnostic scientist Paul Davies once said concerning the laws of nature that scientists are slowly waking up to an inconvenient truth the universe looks suspiciously like a fix. So much so that atheist scientist Sir Fred Hoyle, the distinguished cosmologist, once said that if it was if a super intellect has monkeyed with the physics. 
So is there the same kind of fine-tuning or perhaps order in our universe, do you think? Look, I, I think that's a really good question to ask, and I've been reading up on this recently with uh, Luke Barnes's book, A Fortunate Universe, and he put some very persuasive evidence on the table that uh, were the constants of these uni this universe just different by a little degree, then the you know, would not be able to support life as we know it. And I, I guess the same does definitely apply within within Minecraft, but it's almost even deeper than that, and that's that the laws themselves permit the formation of more and more interesting structures as they go along. Mm. Okay, so you need to explain, well, why, why does it look like the constants are precisely determined, but also why the laws configured in such a way that they allow this kind of wonderful and, and bountiful universe to sort of unfold. So I think, while I'm not trying to prove God with any of this, I'm trying to give us a way of understanding, using Minecraft, what it would be like to be a creator of the game, and maybe that's a way we can think of a, a version of God that we can, we can understand and relate to. Mm. Now, questions come through on our text line from our live audience here, mm -hmm. uh, which is, if God engineered the world, why are there so many bugs? Is God a bad engineer? <laughs> this is a really interesting one, and I, I asked my sons about this, and, uh, and I think it was Wesley who said that uh, you can ask the ask Mojang or petition them to do various things in the game to fix uh, bugs or add extra features, but it's not always as simple as just uh, making a tweak and everything's fine. Everything comes with a bit of a cost. Mm -hmm. So you might give someone an ability that sounds good in theory, but it actually wreaks havoc in the game if you implement it. Right. Things like command blocks was a controversial example where you could have an incredible amount of power. Uh, so I think that, yes, there's stuff in the game that is difficult to, to understand in our world, things that are evil and suffering and that, and there are monsters in our world like there are in the game of Minecraft. There are, there are real monsters. But it's not simply a matter of changing a few things and everything works out okay. There's, there's long, the bigger impacts by, by messing with the source code. So in some ways you need to know the, the source code to understand how serious these bugs actually are. Yeah, sure. There could be reasons for those bugs that we just don't understand. Yeah, and, and I think long term, I, I see our world as a creation that's still unfolding and it's still moving forward. Like if you look at Minecraft, they do put bug fixes in and they do put upgrades into the game. So the creators do listen to feedback and, and put that into the game. And you know, I'm open to that being the case with our world too. So you just mentioned about uh, users petitioning Mojang, who yeah. are the creators of Minecraft. Yeah. Uh, is that a bit like prayer, perhaps? They've, they've sort of prayed to the designer for them to, I, to fix I the problems kinda, in the game? I kind of think it is. You <laughs> right. know, and, and maybe you know, people get together and, oh, up comes this upgrade. Um, <laughs> you know, but it also it does raise the question, though, can Mojang answer the prayers of everyone all at the same time? People want different features in the game. And, and some like, of them would be mutually contradictory. Well, some would, and, and maybe, like I said, some would be enable people to have a lot of power and perhaps wreck parts of the world as well. Uh, that, and this wouldn't be a desirable thing, and then people would plea for Mojang to take it back and roll that version back. Mm. So there's a lot of complexities going on, and I think we just need to think about that if we have some concerns about the way God's made this world. Well, it, it's a very complicated question. It's not something you can easily tweak and leave a world that is the same as what we experience. Mm. So perhaps, and in the analogies, Mojang may not answer all the prayers of their users, so to speak, in the same way that God may not answer in positively yeah. the prayers of all of his petitioners, etc. I, I, I think that's a fair analogy. Mm. Right. 
What about the really big parallel, though, between Minecraft and God? The, the big question of, is there a creator? Now, Notch is known as the Minecraft game creator. Yeah. Is that significant? Well, I think what's interesting is you look at Minecraft and your default position is to assume that the program has a creator. You would not think that it's come together through a purely chaotic chance process. Your default position is, well, this has hallmarks of intelligence, this is elegant, it's beautiful, uh, it's well-structured, there seems to be code that underwrites it, so that's your default position. Uh, but if you didn't have any access to Notch, you wouldn't be able to verify this. It'd just be an idea. If you were in the game trying to figure it out... If you're you, Steve. Yeah, if you were Steve, you could reason to a certain point and be pretty confident that there was something, but you might lack some details about what Notch's character was like. Mm. So do you think you could have a world without a creator? I think it's possible, but then that belief itself comes with a cost and uh, not all aspects of that worldview, I think, can be proved either. Right. So do you think that it's significant that Notch is invisible in the game, so to speak? Well, it's not just that he's invisible, it's that he, he physically can't be inside the game in that he's made of a different sort of stuff, right? He's, he's wholly other, to use a term that people who talk about God might use. So Notch is uh, a different being, a much higher being, much higher intelligence. If he's to make himself known in the game, he'd have to do that within the rules of the game. Right, okay, yeah. So the, do you think then there is a legitimate parallel between Minecraft and God here? Well, it's interesting that if you, if you read the Bible, it makes the very interesting claim that no one has ever seen God. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's the well, it's the Bible itself says no one's seen God. Well, that would make sense if God is, you know, of, he's not a human being, he's of, of a much higher order, higher class. Uh, and I think that with something like Minecraft, uh, Notch would need to, to write himself in in some way mm. uh, for him to, to communicate anything specific. Mm. Although we do know the creator of Minecraft. Mm. His name's Notch, yep. as we've talked about, and he lives in a very big house in Beverly Hills Beverly in the United Hills, States. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, But we don't have the same access or certainty of a creator of the universe, though, do we? Um, I think if you're just talking about what I call natural theology, which is just looking at the world around us, you can get to a certain point. Um, one of the a certain point of a certain point of understanding some minimal facts about what the creator might be like, um, but I think the reason that I'm say a Christian and, and not just a believer in God is because I think a little bit more has been communicated about God than just what you can see by observing the universe. Mm. Well, maybe we have a look at that extra bit has been communicated now. Sure. Now today's big question is what does Minecraft teach us about God? And surprisingly, even though the New Testament was written two thousand years before Minecraft. The Bible itself can help us answer this question. In the opening verses of the Gospel of John, which is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have, John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, James, what's the significance of this? John has already been speaking about the creative power of the Word. So what do we make of it when he says that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us? See, this is where I think something like Minecraft can be really powerful in that it can help us visualise uh, concepts that are otherwise quite difficult to understand. Yeah. You're talking about what uh, Christians call incarnation, which is God dwelling within human form and mm -hmm. making things known to us. The equivalent in Minecraft would be Notch 
putting on the, the skin, so to speak, and going in and walking around in the game. And he actually has done that. You know, you can see YouTube videos of him walking around and <laughs> sharing things with people in the game, right? right. And Dan TDM does that and all these other YouTubers uh, can get in the game and do that. I can understand that. I can relate to that. I think that's a healthy way, actually, of approaching the mystery of Jesus in that the mind of the creator has made itself known within a person who's written into the rules of the game. Mm. So the word became block. Yeah, so speak, the, 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 the word, word became, word became a, put on a skin and <laughs> dwelled among us. <laughs> <laughs> now, John writes that we have seen the glory of the word. Now, the glory of a Minecraft player is perhaps the creations that they make in the game. Yep. What do you think is the glory of the word of God? His character and his life. I mentioned before, you know, the idea about there being evil in the world, just as there's monsters in Minecraft, there's monsters in the world. Well, Jesus didn't shy away from that sort of thing. He didn't pretend it was an illusion or ask mm. you to get over it. He actually suffered deeply and he suffered on our behalf. So that seems to me to be a creator who is very intimately involved and cares for his creation, not someone who's written a program and walked away from it. And lives in a multi-million dollar mansion. In Beverly Hills, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I suppose also the glory of in the Gospel of John in particular is also perhaps in his scene in his death, yeah. which is where you see that ultimately expressed. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and I think that that's where he's experiencing the full measure of, of what the, the, I guess, the shadow side of the game is. Well, in some respects, it's also quite profound because he's also experiencing the wrath of the monsters, so to speak, that are in his own creation. Yeah, that, well, and that's so, right, yeah. And a, so he's willing to die for them. He's like taking on the ender dragon. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> now, John goes on to write in chapter 1, verse 18 of his gospel, and as you've already mentioned, James, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Now... So the Bible says that no one has ever seen God. So the Bible, as you said before, it doesn't seem to expect that we're going to be able to see the creator of the game ordinarily. I, well, I think this is really interesting because a lot of people say, yeah, I'd, I'd believe in God if I could see him. But what we're talking about is something that, in a, in a sense, can't be seen because it is bigger and grander than our you know, slice of reality that we experience. And of a different order, as a you mentioned A different before. order, yeah. I mean, he can make himself known in the same way that a... A programmer can inject a bit of new code into the game like and that's not a problem for the programmer so he, it's easy in in a sense for a programmer to do that especially one as intelligent as notch mm. okay um so yeah look i think uh, i think it's just helpful to think of god in those terms rather than something that is uh within you know material reality now james you've trusted in this god as revealed in the words of the bible so how has it changed the way you play the game of life. The game of life. Uh, look, I think that, like I said before, if you have a view that this is an unfolding creation that's ultimately good, that gives you some inspiration to keep going if times are tough, that things that might be painful and, and might be terrible, actually, they are things that will in time pass. And this is something that I find encouraging. I feel more encouraged than if the whole thing were... A chaotic assembly of bits thrown together by an assembly line of lunatic robots. Mm. So the fact that there is sort of purpose by a purposeful creator <laughs> yeah, makes a big difference for you. It, it's, it certainly is a more encouraging view, yeah. Mm, mm. A couple more questions have come in from our text line from our live audience. Fantastic. I've seen people make entire worlds within Minecraft. Would that make Steve a god of that world? 
I think it would make Steve a co-creator. He can only create because the creator's already made these building blocks mm. and materials and laws. Mm. But I think the creator would look at Steve and go, hey, that's really cool. I like what you've done. That's really interesting. And I kind of think that's the way that, that God would look at the things we make, the way that I would look at my kids when they come with a work of art that they've painted at school. And I go, wow, I'm really impressed at what you've done there. Mm-hmm. But they're not in the God in the same sense as because they, they didn't actually create the, the, the pencils or the DNA or the atoms yeah, so, that created so, the yeah, things yeah, in the first so, place. So, so their, their work there is, I like the idea of a co-creator working mm. with materials that have been put there for them to do that with. Another question is what? So what? So was Jesus just an avatar in a skin suit? <laughs> Who cares if he died then? Oh, so I, I don't think he's just. I don't like the word just there. I think if he's going to make himself known to us, the Creator doing it within a form that we can relate to, I think, is is something that's important. And I don't think uh, there's, there's anything to be gleaned by stretching the analogy too far about mm. a, a, a Minecraft figure dying. I think uh, you know, the analogy might stretch so far, but <laughs> yeah. pushing up against its limits. I mean, we're on the, the theological uh, truth or the theological connection that the, the New Testament certainly makes is that God was both... So Jesus was both fully human and fully yep. God. Yep. And so that the two are actually uh, together, which is possibly difficult to do in a Minecraft it, sense. It, it, I suppose it, it, it's conceptually it it's a bit difficult. I think we've done pretty well so far, though. Made a lot of connections. Yeah. Um, so what about the future? What does yeah. Minecraft teach us about God and the future? So again, this is something that one of my boys came up with, uh, and he said, well, in Minecraft you can save the game, right? So you save your character, your attributes, the things that define you and that point in the game. And so then you can die in the game and you can be brought back into it. And in a sense, I think that when you and I die, we are in a sense saved in the mind of God. Okay, and that's the... That's that, um, that mind, that intelligence that encapsulates the pattern that makes you, you, and makes me, me. I would call it the best versions of ourselves are something that he can bring back at any point of his choosing. Respawn, if you like, mm. back into the game. Maybe with a few upgrades. <laughs> we'll see. So is that a bit like resurrection? Yeah, and people struggle with this idea of you know what, what heaven or what the resurrection is going to be like. I find looking at things like Minecraft where you can respawn and bring something back this is not difficult for the programmer to do. So it kind of gives me something I can sort of think about and go, okay, I can understand how a, a creator more powerful than Notch mm. could bring someone uh, back into a, into a world that's beyond this one. And even better. Yeah, and even better. So, James, what does Minecraft teach us about God? Lots. <laughs> <laughs> He's created something that is beautiful, something that you can enjoy which is the game of life. And I think uh, my son said to me that the meaning of Minecraft is to enjoy the game and be free to build. And it's kind of like this life too. You know, we can enjoy this world through friendship, through activities that we can do with each other, and ultimately by enjoying God. Um, And we can build and we can create and we can do these good things. Mm. And I think that's something we can celebrate. And I think it's a positive Uh, meaning of life as well. Well, Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question, what does Minecraft teach us about God? From John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, James Garth. 
Enjoy bigger questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.